This show focuses on the historical aspect of the sporting world. The goal is to give some understanding to the franchises, leagues, and main events that we all love. This is David Explains, and please join me on this journey into the past. Imagine watching the very first televised Olympic Games in history. Now, imagine watching and participating in those Olympic Games, where the hosting country is absolutely disregarding every single boycott warning they had received prior to the event about using the event to promote their ideologies, going against everything the Olympic Games were supposed to be about originally. As you may know, my name is David, and welcome to the second part of the David Explains special on the Olympic Games. In part one, I left off on explaining why the ancient Olympic Games did not fill the idea of amateurism through the fact that athletes participating were either professionals or were using the games for their own professional gains. In this episode, I will explain the history of the modern Olympics and why these games did not care about the amateurs that participated through the idea of heavily promoting nationalism. The first modern Olympics were created on April 6, 1896 and would take part in Athens, Greece. The entire event would last for about a week and a half from April 6th to April 15th, 1896. At these games, there were 12 countries being represented by 280 athletes. Many of the original events were somewhat similar to the ancient Olympics. Events like wrestling, track and field, and boxing. But they also added things like swimming, weightlifting, and tennis. By the time the modern Olympics were created, the technology for winter-like sports had not only been invented, but improved that they created the Winter Olympics. The first Winter Olympics were created in France in 1924 and would be held the same year as the Summer Olympics until 1994, which is when both events got so big that the Olympic Committee decided to hold it every two years thus allowing the tradition of having an event occur every four years still happen with the opposite season occurring in the middle. For example, the Summer Olympics were held in 2000, meaning that the next one wouldn't occur until 2004, which means the Winter Olympics would be held in 2002 and then again in 2006. So it's that alternating year idea. As many know, the Olympic Games were recreated in order to bring the world together. A time where everyone can cheer on their respected countries in a time of peace with the hope that overall peace can be attained. However, that is not always the case because in some cases, extreme nationalism will take precedent in order to show the world that their country is not what some believe. Essentially, politics get in the way of what should be the best way to promote peace. In this section of the modern Olympics history, I want to point out that once nationalism became a major part in the Olympics, amateurism of the athletes and world peace was not the focus of the sports and the games anymore. Furthermore, it shows that the games were also about a win-at-all-cost mentality, but on a national level and not in a good way. 
there is no better event to prove this point than the 1936 Olympics that were held in Berlin, Germany. For Nazi Germany, the 1936 Olympics were a propaganda event in which they built a team that were nationally and scientifically better in terms of the amount of medals being won. Now, Germany was awarded the 1936 Olympics in 1931. However, Adolf Hitler and the Nazis took power two years later in 1933. To the rest of the world, this was very concerning because they feared that the Nazis would implement their very racist policies and were considering a boycott of the games. So in order to avoid this mass boycott, the International Olympic Committee pressured the government and got assurances on two main things. A, Jewish athletes not only would qualify, but would also make the national team. And B, the government was not allowed to use the games in any way as a way to promote the Nazi ideology. The government initially agreed to the terms, but that was a bold-faced lie that wasn't called out till it was much too late. In the end, only one person of Jewish descent actually made the team. At the games themselves, the government handed out pamphlets and regularly gave speeches about their ideologies. Not only that, but the 1936 Olympics were also the very first games to be televised which means the rest of the world got to see the symbols and ideology of the government. Only a few years later, in 1939, the world would be plunged into World War II. Fortunately, games like these would never happen again. They would return to relative normality of being about promoting world peace and that no other war was to ever happen again. However, there have been several events that actually went on to make sure the Olympics were more inclusive in some way, shape, or form. Events like Jesse Owens winning several track events and being considered one of the greatest Olympic athletes of all time. In 1960, the Paralympics were created in order for those with some kind of physical disability the opportunity to compete. Not to mention the several different events that occurred in order to bring national attention to either the problems of a specific country or of the world. Throughout this episode, I wanted to show that the games, both new and old, were not always used to promote honesty, courageousness, and fairness through the idea of sport, which in turn proved that the Olympics were not always about the amateurism of the athletes, something that meant a fair amount to many people today. The games in ancient times were used to promote the professional athletes of their time. While the athletes of the Olympic Games were not directly paid by the government, they were still professional athletes and got paid. Maybe not in the traditional sense, but still the athletes got fully funded education and theater tickets for free. Essentially, these were athletes that would not have gotten much respect by today's standard because at the end of the day, they were still professionals. The modern games are a different story. In this case, we would see the word amateurism come to fruition. However, that is not the case throughout time. From extreme nationalism to the early times of professional athletes being used in the Olympic Games, like the Russians, at the end of the day, the modern Olympic countries did not care about honesty, fairness, and courageousness and the love of the support if it meant proving that their country was the best at all costs. And depending on the year, the cost that affected many people's lives. However, even though 
that still existed, there were still many examples of brightness, things to think about positively on these games regardless. To end it off, I want to say thank you for tuning in to the second part of these David Explained episodes on the Olympics. So until next time, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of David Explains. There is always more history to enjoy and explore in the sporting world. I hope that you join me by tuning into the next story. For any updates on the show, please follow Deep Dive Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I will see you on the next journey.